Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode 81 of the Polis Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. We back, baby! It's It's been um, a few months since Hector and I have gathered to talk about the lovely comics, so I am Chris Poirier, that is Hector, and... Mirai! To- Mirai! Mirai! I... I, I, I Someday you didn't didn't say my last name. I'm just saying it to say it. I know, and I'm saying it so that maybe someday I'll have enough confidence to say it without messing it up. Dude, I still struggle on your name, and I've known it forever. So right, and that's like that's crispy, and that's Hector, and we just don't talk about the rest of it. That's fine. Um, But it's it's Hector Elud Mirai, and you throw on the Jackson if you're taking the Puerto Rican tradition of adding the maiden name and then a junior. So put it all together. (laughs) Nope. Now I'm more confused than I started. So yes. that's Hector. And um, for those of you that haven't been around for the last four years, and it's still impressive that, hey, we, we're we hitting episode 81. We, like episode 100, the big 100, when we have to do the giant issue with like 72 other artist guests and everything is like fast approaching. So, you know, yeah. So we back friends so you know what that means strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic Uh, on today's episode of the poll list, we <laughs> have an outstanding show. Um, I'm not just saying that because I don't get paid to do this, but we have a wonderful show. We've got a lot of comics to talk about. We're going to hit the latest news to catch you up, and there's plenty to talk about. Um, maybe you've heard about this little thing called James Gunn in the DCU and a WB. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, our poll recommendations from well slightly more than the last two weeks it's more like the last two months uh our favorite no number ones from the same time period and we even have a little listy list of you our loyal listeners and now watchers so this is the pull this podcast let's get going <laughs> Has everyone missed the news? I don't um, think anyone's ever missed the news, dude. <laughs> like regular news, sure, but this is like geeky, nerdy, like we kind of care news. Um, and I have, I'm, I'm self, I'm kind of impressed with myself with this slate of randomness for this, for this episode because I'm going to lead off with the following words. John Wick meets Kill Bill meets Cats. Like the musical Cats? or Yeah, just... and I believe said completely unironically. Um, IDW is bringing us basically just that. And if you go ahead and Google that, uh, there's a couple variant covers of Cat Fight. Um that looks like exactly that um so the text from from idw basically reads as such catfight mixes a suave characters fashion and chaotic claws of cat themed 
cat-themed jewel thieves. Wow, that was a word. Uh, all under the watch of Ethra Kit, um, inspired leading lady. So the second this pitch came across my desk, this is a quote uh, from editorial there. I knew that it would be a hit. Uh, mix that with Andrew's clear vision, which is Wheeler, who is the writer for the series and some amazing art and storytelling. Basically, the insanity that is John Wick meets Kill Bill meets Cats is due out in May. Uh-huh. <laughs> Look, sometimes when I find the news, it's not necessarily hard hitting. It's the this is what the comic book industry does. And I saw all of those words in the same sentence and I was like, uh, clickbait or not, Chris is clicking this link and sharing it with other human beings. And you're the reason why stuff like that exists. <laughs> uh, actually, my polls from the last two months probably proves that out this time around. So not unrealistic, but that's going to say if anybody would be that market and be you. I've not <laughs> ever I've never watched a John Wick, though, actually. So when I, I I was sick about three weeks ago, not COVID, but hi, I had the the winter flu that everybody apparently is sharing this year. Uh, I sat down and watched all three. So I finally caught up. Didn't so hate it. Your River Dragons hat, your, y'all are, your team is basically a Gyarados. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Question mark? Yeah. Um. You should put that into some of your marketing ideas. <laughs> Truck door, maybe do that instead. You can do both, but I'm saying have like that guy popping out of a, a blue version of him popping out of a Pokeball cash money. <laughs> um, it's good stuff. So, but truck door is a nice touch too. Actually. I like that. Yeah. I was, th- I just kind of caught that in the corner of my eye. So taking that one to work. Cause yes, in, in off season randomness, Chris went to work for a pro hockey team uh, in the Federal Prospects Hockey League down here in the South, and my life is weird. But here we are. And tonight I'm doing trivia at a country club in Myrtle Beach. So Yeah, so that's where Hector and my lives are right now. Razzle dazzle. <laughs> People are like, wait, what? Don't worry about it. We still read comics. We're nerdy. It's good. <laughs> we, we love Jesus and we read comics and the rest gets interesting. Definitely weird. So, yeah. All right. And on to the next. Uh, If you listen to the show and you've heard my voice, you probably have heard me say the name Jeff Lemire 47,326 times. Um, I didn't count. In one episode. In one episode, right? And it's not this one. Um, But Jeff's got some new projects coming up and he actually is going to be bringing forward a new image product and it's called phantom road and a lot of the early art from this gives me walking dead vibes but i have a feeling that's probably not what he's going for but who knows jeff does some really really weird stuff at times and it appears i'm catching up on some of the details because I had to kind of fly through this one, but it's about long haul truckers and it sounds like kind of they end up kind of in like this desolate flatlands kind of thing. And you got to remember, Jeff is Canadian, so this is probably like the Canadian North kind of thing. So long haul truckers are basically an apocalyptic story on its own, though. Right. And that's kind of the bad the the mix here. Let's see. 
Image Comics describes Phantom Road as Mad Max Fury Road meets the Sandman. Well, there is lots of sand in Mad Max Fury Road, so <laughs> so that makes sense. Um, and then further down, they even say that this is kind of in similar veins and scope as Preacher, Sandman, and The Walking Dead. So, okay. Um, it's a mashup of sci-fi horror and character-driven road movie. So that's yeah. a lot of descriptive adjectives. Um, and art is being done by some folks that did a lot of stuff for Hellboy and for BPRD stuff over the years. So it's got that vibe. Um, I'm just a sucker for stuff that Jeff Lemire writes, especially anything in his horror or sci-fi weird category. Like he does really cool slice of life stuff, but when he kind of wanders off into the, this is going to really be weird. Um, and Sweet Tooth is finally get a second season. There you go. Um, filed under weird. <laughs> yeah. But also, yeah. So all you Jeff Lemire fans, keep an eye out. Let's see. Does this have a date yet? March. Ooh, it's coming soon. Uh, so we should be seeing that possibly as early as next month on your local shelves. Well, some of our local shelves. Yeah, that mm, that's that's <laughs> that's not untrue. That happens. And, ooh, Marvel fans. A lot of characters in both DC and in Marvel are hitting big milestones. So in DC, we've been doing the 80th anniversaries for a lot of folks. Uh, Marvel has a 60th coming up for Nick Fury. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And. That's weird. Nick Fury and Doctor Who are the same year. For their 60th. Oh, well, there you go. So cr crossover question mark? I, I wouldn't. <laughs> in my mind, it would feel like Doctor Who's been around a lot longer than Nick Fury, but I guess not. No. And a lot. And I suppose what that might do to some folks is you feel like Nick Fury technically lived like two different lives because he did. Um, because remember, like early Nick Fury. Um, the Hasselhoff. Yeah, the Hasselhoff. That, like, that's really good because that's how Jack Kirby. um really because nick fury showed up howling commandos um in the original books from kirby and stanley and the whole fury and the and the howling commandos so yeah you get if you do google that you could just imagine hasselhoff with an eye patch um that's that and that's that yep and then we had the updates that came later more it was pre-mcu but it was close the ultimate universe yeah mm -hmm. and it's just weird to me that like Superman and Batman are both older than Doctor Who. I just picture because Doctor Who was like around in black and white mm. that like it has to be older. But dang it, it's not. <laughs> yep. Cool. I'm just going to ponder. Go on with the show. Yeah. You're just going to have to sit back and and wonder and dream. Um, so big old 40 page one shot is. Yep. Hector's pondering. He's got this. Um is coming and so we'll be seeing some cool stuff there and around the same time disney plus wants to remind us that nick fury and secret invasion are still a thing and those series should be rolling out pretty soon so how convenient uh marketing of major corporations seem to align with things that are going on in the real world huh, how about that uh 
So we'll be getting lots of Nick Fury in the not too distant future. So in print and on your small screen, all of all of the Fury. And then two that you would swear I didn't pick for news that probably was Hector, but I was thinking about Hector as I found both of these. And one of the things that is really interesting right now is you've heard Hector and I talk about it. The last 365 days, maybe longer, of comics available on the shelf have felt kind of like, eh? That the big two have had a couple things here and there, but I find myself walking into my comic shop and going, I don't, why? Give me, give me good story that money take. And that's a conversation that's been having had a lot inside a lot of comic shops of the, I want to give Marvel my money. I want to read good Marvel <laughs> stories. I want to read the 47 bat books that come out, but only if they're actually worth my investment because comics aren't cheap <laughs> right now. Dude, Todd sent me a message the other day or commented on something. He's like, why are we reading detective? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's basically it is that a lot of fans are like, well, because I've always read this and I mean, I did something that probably was thought unimaginable a year ago. I'm not pulling flash right now. Mm. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. Right. And it's because I, I hit a point that it kind of like with you've said before of uh, it, it's good or it's okay, but it's not worth X every week or yeah. every month. And it's not worth so, $75 a year. Yeah. I'll come back when I feel like you figured it out. Um, so where are the stories? And Hector's going to talk about this later, but based on a lot of numbers, um, there's a ton of different websites out there that collect stats in terms of stuff that's being scanned and stuff that's actually being read out in the wilds and in Europe and even based in some US-based markets, manga and webtoons are outselling all of the major publishers of comic books in the United States by like not a small margin, like by a stupid margin. Um, I have a chart in front of me based on some manga stuff that says that one of them is actually in almost the billion dollar scan range. And DC comics on a good year is in the 300 million. And that's staggering. But if I had to say the truth based on what I see in my local comic shops and everything else, that, that plays out. I see parents bringing their kids into the comic shop and they're like, where's the manga? And it's like, eh. Well, dude, like a lot of shops haven't even had manga until recently. And yep. then they don't want to. And this is no shade in saying this is just from yep. my experience. Most comic shops don't want to deal with the hassle of having to uh, stock manga. Yep, it takes up a lot of space because they usually are done in, you know, in a much thicker, yeah, show the people. There you go. This size? Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to us, you have no idea what that was. Um, but yeah, we're talking books that are almost an inch thick worth of stories that what we would normally consider trades and actually a fairly big trade, um, which means, yeah, they take up a lot of space. If you don't know if you have that audience you're taking up a lot of space and spending a lot of money on stuff that's never going to move and the bigger thing for a lot of shops and it's true here in town is if you have a barnes and noble within any driving distance 
Barnes is just going to eat you alive in terms of because they went in on that space and can literally the manga section of my Barnes and Noble is bigger than my comic shop. Mm. Um, so there's interesting industry things happening there, but also the more you buy of manga in bulk, the cheaper it is for the people that are buying stuff. And Viz Media, who is the primary U.S. distributor, has done really good job of making it accessible for comic shops because it allows you to expand um, retail verticals in your store that you might not have had. But again, it takes up a lot of space and it's not cheap. So it's it's interesting to see that this is happening. Um, but I'm also not shocked. Well, and I think if manga companies offered comic companies more of a price break as far as like ordering, mm -hmm. it might be different. But like you can't, to my understanding, and you ran a shop, you would know this, of you can't get a manga for the same price you can get a comic. No, 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 because because of, because of the book price, it it really is it, the margins different because most of it is you know literally imported, um, and like I said, it's pretty much sole distributorship. But Viz is actually a decent company. I I used to run into them at every Comics Pro that I went to. Um, they want people to read their stuff, and some of the best stuff that they ever did is they usually offer a starter pack to stores. Um, which will have basically the top five um, main lines that are going on and a majority of like a first cut. So it's not just like one book that you're going to get enough that if someone literally wanted to pull, you know, a run of something, they could do so. And you also wouldn't break the bank or disappear all of your stuff. Um, but it's still not cheap. <laughs> um, they've done a much better job in terms of also it not taking as long to obtain it. Because usually ordering it and some of the stuff you can order from Diamond as well is it doesn't take as long to get. But again, through Diamond, if you're doing Diamond as a third party versus going direct to Viz or some of the others, it's not cheap. So it, it's a lot of bigger stores that do larger volume have jumped into it because it's easier for them to do that and spread out their costs. For smaller stores, it's like there's literally a Barnes & Noble or a Second Charles up the street. You should go hit up their shelves. For me, I always, well, not always, but for a lot of the manga I read, um, you get it, I mean, no surprise, but you get it really cheap on Amazon, mm -hmm. especially if you pre-order. Because they do the pre-order price guarantee that whatever the lowest it hits before it comes out, that's what you pay. So. Yep. So, it, but yeah, I, I feel like there is kind of this push that you're going to see things like Webtoon and the Substack thing started and kind of dwindled. God. But far, far as I know, folks are still producing product over there. Um, I think it's become a good launch ground to produce books we wouldn't normally see. Yeah. Because like we have Demons and Love Everlasting. Those books like aren't solely on Substack anymore or anything like that. But people get more groundswell about it before it gets there. Right. And for Webtoon, Laura Olympus was, you know, their big breakout. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's been the killer for it. But, like, they now have four hardback volumes of Laura Olympus. Yep. So the industry is doing a lot of interesting things right now. And I just wanted to bring that to some folks' attention because you're going to hear Hector say at least every couple shows, here is this funny backward opening book that you should absolutely be reading. Um, 
And it's because there's great stories out there. So, and that is kind of exactly what we've been saying is, well, if people can't get it, they're going to go looking for it. And manga has just filled a void over the last, I'd say several months. And that's why their scans are increasing in the US and in Europe. So interesting to see if that continues, if it grows even more, um, because we have lots of shows that well, go side by side with it. After, um, you know, a year of having a high school student, like manga and anime, like are okay here. I think there's the best comparison I can give you. Um, comic books and comic book proper things like Marvel, DC and stuff like that are Facebook and manga webtoons and anime are TikTok to the oh, younger dang. generation. We <laughs> still we still read comics and like like the adults that are boy, I can't wait for Ant-Man and the Wasp. Like that crowd, we're the old farts on Facebook. Ah. And the young crowd is like, you know, give me anime, give me manga, give me webtoons and like I think there's also that cultural division where younger kids, college students, and everything else are like, you know, I don't want this because you like it. <laughs> right. Like having a teenage, having a high school student in my house now, like the fact that like, because I'm going to talk about my hero a little bit later. The fact is that my hero is, you know, a little juvenile, a little young, a little um, <laughs> whatever. And I'm like, don't you dare turn your face to uh, Izuku Midoriya. I will windmill kick you in the face young lady and i was literally standing in my comic shop when the when a child with their parent came in and asked for the manga for this exact purpose and i forget exactly which one they were looking for but we were kind of talking about you know i piped up because my shop owner knows that if i'm in the space and he doesn't know something he'll do the maybe chris has something to say um and we got to talking about that and it's like, and he, this kid said the same. I tried to watch the first season of my hero and it was just childish. I'm like, you, you need to keep watching. Cause there will come a point. Cause the kid was young enough that I was like, that your mom's going to turn it off on you. <laughs> Cause that, that story goes places. You, you are not ready for my friend. It's like maybe, maybe you have not appreciated manga and anime and how dark, it can become and how quickly ah good times good times i'm just gonna hashtag some more things on facebook over here for a second hold on <laughs> uh, yeah with all that effectiveness yeah dang it um so the last one is what hector came here to talk about so the rest of the show is dedicated to james gunn and not the whole show <laughs> i'm just kidding <laughs> the rest of our return episode is going to be Hector second by second talking down and tearing apart and discussing James Gunn release of the future of DCU. And the article I've given to everybody in the notes is apparently WB was not super happy with that video or um, some of James Gunn's actions that he, he shook the cage and, they weren't super thrilled with it, but at the same time, they're not, they're not saying that super publicly because that <laughs> all of their eggs are now in the James Gunn basket, whether love, hate, indifferent. So 
Here, here's all, and I know we're about to jump into James Gunn conversation. Yep. Um, but I have to say this: with all the stuff that's getting canceled, with all the stuff that's getting shut down, with all the stuff that's not going forward, how in the actual crap are we still having that stupid Gotham Night show hit the airwaves? <laughs> have you seen this garbage? No, because I just anything that hits the CW property, I'm just like, look, like Arrow and Flash was really good early, but whoops. Listen, I'm I'm gonna say this, and I need you, Chris, to watch this trailer. If y'all are listening and you haven't, please <sighs> do I have to <laughs> watch this hot garbage trailer? Um, I know I'm being negative, forgive me. Um, but no. Um like, I'll allow it. <laughs> uh there is a okay, first of all, the main if you're on screen with me the reason they're still proceeding is because of the moderate success of this video game Mm. not that it was critically reviewed well but it still made money um but it shares the same name but listen this is a gotham where misha collins castiel from supernatural is harvey dent not two-face but he's harvey dent to the point where batman has just died and now there is a ragtag group of Q list sidekicks <laughs> that um, that are trying to take up the mantle of the bat, including one of Batman's sons, who's not Damien. There is a rant. Blink, blink. There is a random girl with cat goggles who's calling herself Robin. But this is literally like if you take the name of Gotham Knights, the name of Gotham, but include no Batman characters and call it Gotham Knights. This has been Hector's Soapbox brought to you by. (laughs) And it got canceled originally. Yes, it did. And now it's coming out. Dude, I would rather watch Batgirl on repeat. (laughs) then this show exists i would rather spend the rest of my comic book life reading stories of the batgirl version of hush than to let this see the light of day because it's just going to do damage i know that uh curran walters was a short little man to be red hood and titans (laughs) i get that he's a wee little elf and he didn't need to be jason todd but (laughs) um it was still better the current season of titans is not gonna like rock your face off but it's better than everything that this and i'm just like please don't do this and like that's probably the last season of cw titans. thing no yeah oh no it is the last season of titan they already announced it yeah they've basically um the only thing on hbo that's moving forward is harley gonna be, is gonna be harley and peacemaker um but uh, they because we're at the halfway point on Titans and Doom Patrol, and they said that the rest of the season is to give yeah. us a satisfying like, finish. Yeah, but I just like listen. I know that you know they said that Batgirl is unreleasable and all these other stuff. I'm telling you, it's still better than letting this show go forward, and it makes me sad because this is one of those things it can only do damage. You know, like in churches, that one dude who says, hey, you should let me preach sometime. This is that. <laughs> this is that guy. <laughs> this is that guy. It, but with taking a property that's already taken enough licks, please <laughs> just leave it alone. Leave leave my Bruce orphans alone. <laughs> but I digress. Go on. Talk about James Gunn. Fine. So Fine. You, you probably have heard uh, that James Gunn is officially, you know, 
he he's DC's Kevin Feige. Like <laughs> it is what it is, um, which makes a bunch of people over at Marvel go, well, oops, but we'll see. Um, and he kind of laid out the slate going forward in a video not too long ago. And <laughs> it's a lot in that's an understatement. And a lot of people have been asking me, and I know that asking Hector, you know, okay, what do you got on this? So I'm doing Chris's hot take because we don't have the rest of the show to talk about James Gunn. Um, is I always appreciate when people, especially big screen, little screen, et cetera, want to tell some of the more obscure stories from a universe. That's fun. When it's your entire slate, I am going to look at you for a second and go, yeah, you, you sure? And I have to temper that with James Gunn did give us Guardians of the Galaxy, which for any comic book fan already knows, should have never been a major motion picture. And then became three with tons of other crossover and are major characters in a universe that the Guardians were never major characters in. And it was good. And gave us two of the most consistent property chunks of the Marvel universe. Yep. And like, I don't know if I'm, I don't think there's any aggression in saying this, but the guardians Christmas special might be one of the best parts of phase four. So, so far, I mean, that's phase four is I, over. Right. Yeah. And that's the other thing is, well, that's a Marvel thing. We'll, yeah, we'll Ant-Man, get Ant-Man Ant starts phase five, phase five, which makes my head hurt. Um, so, yeah, I, I appreciate what what James is doing. And one of the other things in the buried in his announcement that I also thought was a really good idea and hopefully they can stick to it is the statement from an editorial and a creative perspective of if you see a character and they open their mouth, it is going to be the live action person doing the voice which means you have continuity across these characters, across whether we animate them, if it's live action, if it's a small screen show, if it's a big thing. Like, I think that's a bold statement because i positive Marvel Disney does what they do to save money. <laughs> Not because it's hard to do those things, which it can be, but I think James is also going to do something that he did in Guardians and there may be one or two big names, but I bet there's going to be a lot of secondary Hollywood talent that he is elevating so that he doesn't have to fight 47 schedules of other projects with people. Cause otherwise that promise is really hard to deliver on. But I dig that we don't, you don't have to go through this mental exercise of that's not that character. Um, and though, honestly, it hasn't really bothered me in the MCU, but I, I thought that was a very bold creative choice. So I'm excited to see where it goes because there's some obscure teams and he's also mixed up where they're placing them, whether it's in animation or um, live action, small screen and big movies that I'm like, OK, you, you have my attention. You still shouldn't have fired Harry, but <laughs> um, or Harry. Harry Henry. Sorry, words. Technically, he never fired Henry. He just didn't hire. Henry. He just he just didn't hire him back. Fine. He got fired. I'm sad. His, his um, time's up. Yeah, fine. No. Um, but you kept the rock. Come on. No, he didn't. I thought I thought they said they he and um, Shazam and your boy Shazam, Shazam got, is still friendly. Got retained, but 
Okay. Yeah, Shazam is still friendly. There is a possibility for Black Adam to return in the future. I got it. But as of now, The Rock is out. Okay. Um. Uh. And so, give I, us give us that hot take. Okay. Um. If you want my hot take, like fresh off the presses take, I'm not tell, plugging my own podcast or anything. Here we but, go. But um, <laughs> I was interviewing uh Joy Horsley from the Fandom Fit Corporation. Mm. Like the lady, they do the like nerdy fitness app. And um, like we're in the middle of talking about fitness and making nerds exercise and creativity. <laughs> She's like, by the way, I need to know everything you think about James Gunn. I'm like, ah, uh, okay. And it was like the day after or something. So I wasn't even like ready, ready. Um, so here, here's the thing. Like, even with what you just said, when you go, when you relate James Gunn and superheroes, you go back to Guardians. If you are a deep troll and you've been about about that life for a minute, um, it go, James Gunn's superhero skill, drive, and creativity precedes Guardians. Yes, yes it does. And you know where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, once upon a time, <laughs> uh, James Gu- James Gunn had an idea for an over the top R rated superhero called the Crimson Bolt, um, and. Uh, which is Dwight from The Office, Rain Wilson, in a poorly constructed superhero costume with a with a monkey wrench, hitting people in the skull and yelling "Shut up, crime." <laughs> um, he and what's crazy is, and this is how what you know with it works. It he had a imagine a world where Rain Wilson ended up imagine marrying Liv Tyler. Yes, but where Rain Wilson marries Liv Tyler, so. He's already got a great taste for fantasy. Um, (laughs) uh, Rain Wilson marries Liv Tyler, who is a former drug addict, whose drug dealer is Kevin Bacon and Yondu. I'm starting to see some. hmm. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And uh, and then she goes, she falls back to drugs. And during a while he's watching bad Bible television. Um, Nathan Fillion as a Bible superhero delivers a message from God uh, along with a tentacle monster to uh, go fight crime. And then Ellen Ellen at the time page um, was his sidekick Bolty who works at the local comic book shop and teaches him how to be a vigilante. And they fight crime and have awkward scenarios together. <laughs> and all of that to say what now? All that to say this. James Gunn had a vision for this movie. He made it on his own dime. And pitched it to every major studio. Every minor studio. And nobody and their mama would touch it. He released it on his own dime. It has a large cult following. But Marvel has gone on record as saying that's why they hired him for Guardians. Mm, That makes sense. Because he had a vision for a superhero story no one else did or cared about, and he was willing to see it through. That one piece of his journey, for me, is enough to say I'll trust you with something major. Um, it's the, it's the biblical principle, like Luke 16, 10, if you can be trusted with little, you can be trusted with big. If you can take a movie that should never exist with Rain Wilson as a superhero and faithfully see it all the way to the end, 
if we give you the keys to DC and say, make us good content, it may not be something everybody loves, but he's going to see it through. That's fair. Um, the Snyderverse's biggest fault was that the Snyderverse, uh, g- its vision was compromised and it never got to have its full storytelling. When they were talking about uh, releasing the Snyder cuts and then they went on to release the Ayer cut, like pitching about that, then they started saying, well, release the James cut version of the new Suicide Squad. And James just tweeted, I made the movie I wanted. Right. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> He's like, every shot I wanted, everything I wanted to tell, it's in my movie. And if he can do this the way he's done it and he treats it as faithfully, yeah, everybody's going to be skeptical standing this far back. People thought Heath Ledger would be a terrible joker. Um, yep. We can all be skeptical skeptical this far back. And yes, he makes some pretty obscure and offensive content. I'm fully aware of that. But I also know he can just tell good stories. I mean, we're all forgetting Brightburn, too. Um, yep. Brightburn is one of the best Superman movies without being a Superman movie. It's a straight up Elseworld tale that is pretty gnarly. Um, That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just throw it like I, 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 because I've seen what he does when he doesn't have support. I trust what he'll do when he does. There you go. That that's a hot take. You can take to the bank. So, well, that was our hot take. So mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. check out, you know, a little bit of faith and fandom because uh, Hector does go into deeper stuff over on his show. So you can give uh, that. I doubt I did. That's probably enough. <laughs> Maybe. Okay. Well, you can you listen and decide for yourselves. Um, <laughs> and so that's what you need to know. Our biweekly look at the industry or by monthly catching up on the industry and delivering you. Year. Yeah, all of that inside knowledge. As always, you can join in the conversation with Hector and I and all of our nerdy friends on the Love Thy Nerd Discord. Like, seriously, Hector's actually there answering questions now. I know I'm it's trying. weird. <laughs> he, he, he put the Facebook down, and he's learning new things. Um, so you can ask us. You can tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly even what we missed, because we probably did. It's been two months. Um, so... And we can't even get all the comics we want. So Right. Whatever. And on that right. And on that note, uh, we should probably hit some of those some of the high points from the last couple of months for for the folks in our remaining times here. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Hector Mirai. And this is Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So recently, Pokemon did a partnership with Squishmallow. Squishmallow, whatever, you know, the squishy things. They released a Gengar, which is a purple ghost Pokemon, and a Pikachu. Now, Pikachu is pretty common in most areas, and you can get Pikachu merch literally anywhere. But Gengar is a little bit more rare. And so a lot of my friends that are into Pokemon were pretty excited about it. But I have one friend in particular who was kind of very focused on finding it. And she posted on Facebook that if anyone finds it, please let her let her know and she'll pay him back. And I was like, you know what? I got a few minutes to kill. I'll run to my local Walmart and check and see. And I get to the toy section and there's a giant bin, like a five foot tall bin with like boxing around it of just Pikachu and Gengar. And, but as I walk up to it, all I see is yellow. Like, there's no purple. It looks like all the Gengars are gone. I kind of poke around. I don't see anything. And I was going to, you know, just give up. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to dig. 
there has to be some in here. So picture me bent over, like almost completely submerged in Pikachu's as I'm digging for a Gengar. And at the very, very bottom, I find three Gengars. I grab all three of them and I walk through the store holding them like they're freaking gold medals and I'm so excited and a lady uh, in a Walmart vest says better get them while you can huh and I'm like yes ma'am and I was just so excited to get them you know so I delivered one Gengar to the person that needed it I gave a Gengar to an elementary school kid that I know loves him and I've got one for me because you know I'm a nerd but uh, it reminds me of this passage in Luke chapter 15, verses 4 and 5. What man among you, if he is a hundred sheep and loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the pasture and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And then verse 5 says, and when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. Let me tell you, I had joyfully carried that Gengar, but let me tell you something. God wants to be close to you, and whenever you're lost, please understand that when you come back to him he is joyfully going to carry you because you are a treasure that he's excited to find and hold remember to catch faith and fandom 180 every wednesday morning on the back row morning show only on ltn radio and if you'd like to learn more about faith and fandom head over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our comic-con ministry podcasts memes apparel and book series you can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mirai. So, uh, take it away, my dude. Okay. Uh, Hector Mirai. Did I do it right that time? With a See? Little, uh, little zesty. Uh, <laughs> I tried. Um, (laughs) so i'm gonna jump right in as we had the manga conversation previously uh my hero academia 33 Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. uh i don't say this just jokingly because i know i'm an emo old man but um (laughs) this left me in tears like um i was sitting in a public place reading this and somebody saw me crying they're like are you are you okay and i'm like it's just just some manga (laughs) and picture books just yeah backwards comics um so like if you i know this is ahead of the uh cartoon and i'm not going to give you like major spoilers or anything like that but to say this the previous volume 32 um ends with deku uh in the place of because uh all for one is coming for him Mm-hmm. he refuses to let anyone be near him and uh he leaves the school and he's trying to fight all the crime in the world by himself refusing any help from anyone else okay the show's actually not that far behind because i think that the that's the arc that is starting yeah they're not far behind mm-hmm. um uh but he's refusing help and to the point where it deteriorates him to he like no longer he looks more like a monster than a hero. 
Um, and I sent you a dark panel. Deku. Yeah, Dark Deku. I sent you a panel of it in this book. Um, Bakugo actually breaks the fourth wall and he says, You it's like you're not even drawn like the rest of us anymore. <laughs> um wait. <laughs> uh King Murder Explosion, not Deadpool. Stop it. <laughs> um that's like King Murder Explosion, something God now, too, by the way. Full name. Right. Yeah, no, the full his full name. He's like, I finally know. That was funny by the way and then everyone's like that's still not easier <laughs> that's worse um but so book 32 ends with him like completely alone and to the point it's scary Aww. like it literally gave me chills when i turned a certain page um and i'll just to say this this book for the most part is his entire tribe refusing to let him go mm. And so in order to stop him from forcing isolation, they all have to fight him. Oh, dang. So you literally get the entire class A taking down Midoriya so they can make him take a nap and go back home. <laughs> take a nap and have some worn slices, buddy. Bro, I'm not kidding. It's like one of the most epic, like when this is in animation, it's going to be one of the craziest things you've ever seen. Um... But literally, they, they beat him up, bind him, and take him home and put him in a blanket and let him take a nap. <laughs> and, like, assure him that he's loved and supported. Um, but then, like, uh, because everybody is hiding from all the villains and stuff, they're hiding at UA. And all the people that are in there and hiding don't want to let Midoriya come in. So after they fight to rescue him, the public rejects him. And it's just dude, the heart and the story. To, this book is why my hero exists. Like if you felt at any point in time, like my hero has dropped off, the storytelling is lacked or anything like that. This is your payoff. If you are watching the show, you need to keep watching to get to this point. If you're reading, pick this up issue or volume 33 just dropped this past week. So that's uh one of the best um let's see i said the nightwing 100 and the two gotham thingies okay uh-huh um by the way i'm gonna just go ahead and quick shout out some stuff that didn't make the cut just for numbers um human target still gold uh it's not on my top of my list but it has been consistent and there's one issue left uh it it literally was worth the payoff so far um uh dark knight steel like it feels like this book takes five years to come out <laughs> um uh there was a twist in issue eight that makes all the issues before it worth it um that i didn't see coming and it makes everything make a lot more sense and that's a lot more entertaining with that concept like i need to go back and read it again um because of that it's nice um and uh surprisingly gotham knights year one like i found myself at the shop this week saying man i wish there was another issue out and i'm like oh i care <laughs> so dang it take my um, money it's a good and what's that dude's name sam uh bradley that's the old dc like cop from back in the day Ugh. he's the main character it's just really good slam bradley slam. oh dang nice yeah slam bradley okay um so uh batman uh one bad day bane number one 
Which, by the way, if you were confused, uh, Bane and Catwoman swapped places on the release dates, and I don't know why. Hmm. Uh, Catwoman was supposed to come out in November or December. Yes. By the comics I was reading, the advertisements said that in there, and it came out like late January. Huh. Um, yeah, I no, you're I right. Missed... That, was a, that was a switch. Um, Bane... Uh, like this story is a great Bane story. It's a great Batman and Bane story. Um, it's a good hopeful place for Bane, but um, it literally just features um, Batman and Bane uh, teaming up together to uh, destroy all the venom in the world. But it has a very strong Princess Bride vibe of like Batman, uh, like saying, as soon as we're done with this, I'm taking you in. And it's like, Sleep well. I'll probably kill you in the morning. Like it's that thing throughout <laughs> I the break, whole. I break bat. Um, uh, but I'll say this: this may be now. This this might tie for me with the Riddler story. Um, I still but... need to catch up on these. It it, I, yeah. It it was a hard hard month at the shop. <laughs> I, I feel you. Um, I I stand by saying this is probably one of the better modern Bane stories. So. I just need to know that while you were reading it, did you hear the voice of Bane from Harley the entire time or not? <laughs> no, no, no. Um, in my in my head, Keenan, Bane has the um, like South uh, South American luchadorish vibe. Yeah, in yeah. my head, always has. I'm um, almost like the one from Batman the Animated Series, but better acting. Because um, that voice disappointed me too. I just want to give them props, though, because that voice for Bane is just stuck in my head now. <laughs> well, because it's like I, it, it sounds like all of our impressions of Tom Hardy's Bane. <laughs> oh, but Batman. <laughs> no, my crockpot. Yes, my um, crockpot. <laughs> I, I need you to return that wedding gift. <laughs> um, uh, so it all not take long on this either um but cat woman one bad day uh it's your typical cat man cat woman batman story in a lot mm -hmm. of ways but you know this is all about the one bad day right is the aspect of it and i left out why banes is a bad day but you can read that um so cat woman is uh this is involves cat woman planning a heist that ties back to her childhood um, and basically the whole thing of why it's a bad day is Catwoman gets outplayed by another mm. criminal. She gets rickrolled hard and then, uh, she's about to pursue this person and Batman stops like, Hey, uh, I don't think you can take this person. Don't do this. Which she's like, you know, F you. Yeah. And <laughs> then she gets to talk. She gets absolutely decimated. And then he shows back up to say, yeah, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> the loving relationship between Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle. Hey, um, that's, that thing I told you. Yeah, I was right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was it. Um, and then my other one is uh, a surprise, but uh, <laughs> not surprised. Not surprised. Um, Nightwing 100 is kind of the good conclusion of... Uh, where Nightwing has been going forever with the stuff with Heartless, with the stuff with Blockbuster. Um, we get a solid 
thing. And then there's just a beautiful panel where like Nightwing leaps off a building and we get like a couple pages of him just leaping off the building in different eras. <laughs> like, like for whatever reason, like, so he's, he's jumping off and then you get uh mo- mullet Nightwing. Do we get, is, is that the, that's the blue with the yellow collar is I yeah. was going to say, is that the bell bottom suit? Yes, it is. Yeah. Um, and then we get the red, then we get the current. So we get like new 52 and everything. Um, and just the panel, but it concludes this story. Well, it concludes, uh, everything it's been doing so far, but, uh, then at the end of the story, um, because of how well, and this is something that's been a part of the news as well. It, this, they do such a good job, um, of Nightwing redeeming his city and saving his city that he's approached by Superman and Wonder Woman. And they ask him to lead the Justice League. Yo. And to, uh, cause the Justice League has been, you know, disbanded and destroyed and everything else because apparently, uh, what's the crisis that just happened? <laughs> um, uh, dude, don't do that. Dark crisis. Yeah. Dark crisis. Yeah. What, yeah, that one, um, that is still part of this canon. And Nightwing saves the universe in that one. Okay. And they're like, because you saved your town and also did a good job saving the universe. We want to ask you <laughs> to you know, run the Justice League. And he's like, uh, no. And <laughs> um, I'm busy. But he says, but you know, you know what I will do? And we'll start the Titans again. Um, so there is no Justice League, but there are new Titans. But you also get like a good moment of bruce giving him love and adoration and praise and a moment where he just nightwing hugs him says i love you dad i mean it's just like as far as like good writing and batmanning it was well done (laughs) so um super good job batmanning folks like so and i'll say this if you look at that as the culmination of this story from uh the first issue we get with tom taylor doing leaping into the light to this point this is a near perfect story and execution minus the two issues that were part of uh whatever the fear state tie-ins not talking about it they they happened but yeah and (laughs) minus those two mandatory tie-ins the nightwing run from leaping into the light on has been flawless and i would buy an absolute edition of it like it's that good so okay i'm done go all right mine are kind of easy ish so we'll be able to hit some of these kind of quick and and move into the end of our wonderful show so far and uh hector and i believe hector already talked about these but chris don't care um because i just want to talk about the fact that kevin smith's imprint over at dark horse and his opening soiree over there in quick shops is absolutely if you're a kevin smith fan it's absolutely the kevin smith thing that you were looking for in your life that if you miss clerks and mall rats and chasing amy and all of the early view verse um it's got all of the vibes it's inappropriate as all get out but it is absolutely kevin smith to a t and it makes me happy inside um which is why there there's three or four almost all of i think it's going to be a four part and like he's going to do different visits and everything, but I think almost all of them are out now. But Chris, there was are four out, but on my shelves, I've only seen one and four. Yeah, because it, it just depends. But it's 
it's got all of the things that you expect from Kevin Smith. So if that's your jam, then that's your book. If it's not your jam, save your money because <laughs> you already know what's inside of it and you either love it or you hate it. And that's pretty much Kevin Smith's career. Um, <laughs> Quick Kevin Smith thing. Uh, Todd Turner hit me up this week in conversation or whatever because he was wanting to make one of his mosaics of the Buddy Christ, but he hasn't watched Dogma. What? Um, he he's he doesn't really do Kevin Smith's humor in a lot or like his content a lot. He's like he that's, really wants to make that's fair. It's it's a lot to take in, and so yeah. like there was a moment where I'm trying to give uh, Todd the whole uh, <laughs> breakdown of what happens in Dogma in a way that works well. Um, I may have sold him by telling him it's my second favorite Alec Rickman role, but well, you know, oh, whatever. Yeah. Metatron. I am the voice of Meta. I am Metatron. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Um, oh man, Alan. Uh, so moving right along, the last Ronin is actually going into a second phase of types with uh the lost years. And so we obviously had a lot to say about TMNT and lost the last Ronin. And we thought the story was over, but they've actually decided to continue the story. And the continuation point is this, is if you remember at the end of Last Ronin, we're, we're down to one turtle because we see the stories of the fight between the remaining turtles and the clan, the Foot Clan and all that stuff, and that only one makes it out alive. But the end of the story um, is basically four new itty bitty turtles, you know, chilling in a terrarium. Well, they grows up. And so the last, the lost years is talking about basically the next generation and the training of that next generation. So if, if you enjoyed that series and you love you some turtles and you're basically looking for, you know, this is kind of their else world, not else world. Like it, it, it exists. It's happening. Um, it's just way in the future. Um, <coughs> Same great artists, same great writers, like all the cool people that we like to say things about, Eastman Waltz, Bishop, and one of the um Eric Klaus that does some of the covers just did a signing at my shop. Yep. He's a good dude. So it's it's a lot of fun. I kind of it it's a different vibe because it's a new set of turtles and they're being trained by you know the next generation of other people as well. Like one turtle What's is now you know, he's doing he's trying to do his best wax on wax off and, and Splendor impersonation. But, you know, it's just a new group. And just with that, we only get a small glimpse of them. So you don't like yep. have a full. Yeah, yeah. Look. So we're just getting started on that story. But the story is kind of still continuing because the Foot Clan didn't get defeated. So there's lots of stuff going on there, but it's a fun journey. This one, my next one, I'm straight up stealing from Todd because either he's mentioned it here in the past or he's mentioned it online a lot or on your show. And I was like, okay, that does sound interesting. So congratulations, Todd. Um, Junkyard Joe, I basically caught up on all of the issues. Um, it's an image book. Uh, it's a Jeff Johns, uh, Gary Frank uh, joint. And yeah. So it's a it's a Vietnam story that kind of shoots forward in to the future. But the short version is that this platoon and this one soldier in particular um, ends up 
coming face to face with this person that was all quiet and stuff. And they find out in a firefight, that person isn't a person. It's a robot of some type. They don't know where it came from. They don't know who controls it. Um, but the whole story is literally the, the robot is apparently getting the feels that it is not, you know, just, uh, execute that in Vietnam and losing an entire squad and then saving the one guy, like, the robot watches soldiers being soldiers with each other and how brotherhood occurs, sisterhood occurs and you know, how a unit gels under chaos and basically kind of apparently starts to understand that concept of family and friends and sacrifice. Um, jump forward to basically the last within the last 10 years. And the guy that survived that is doing the post army post Vietnam PTSD and all that stuff wonders where the robot went to because he disappeared during the war and the war, the robot shows back up on his doorstep. And so it's kind of, again, this reintegration of this thing is feeling, but still, where did you come from? <laughs> Who do you work for kind of thing? Um, so there is this neat kind of like government, conspiracy thing going on with this robot that existed all the way back to the 60s and 70s to today that was a killing machine for some reason is coming becoming somewhat sentient in its don't just execute orders but cares about the fleshy living things around him um so far tons of fun really interesting like tackles issues of ptsd in terms of combat which is not fun but is an honest representation of it and this really interesting conversation of basically an AI that learns empathy and pain from that is kind of the vibe I'm getting so far. So it's a really interesting read um, from that perspective. And then finally, um, I, I'm showing the thing because we are we are far enough in the future of either you've heard this rumor or you haven't heard this rumor. And I won't jump too much up and down on it, but if you care about firefly and its continuity in comics etc and everything else this is where you just skip to the end credits of today's episode <laughs> um because i have to say what happened in it no i have, I have to yell at some stuff later so don't jump to the end yet well no 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 but we yeah yeah I'm we're, we're almost there and that's all i'm saying so anyway um the all-new firefly uh big damn finale um hector like sent me the cover of this before I got it out of the plastic. And I was like, Oh no. <laughs> um, Cause they put this on the shelf in plastic so that you could not see that. Mine didn't have plastic. Oh, that's interesting. All of that, them were, all of them were poly bagged with black. So you couldn't see this cover. Well, and that's the, um, they had that option for some of the covers, but yeah, that's interesting. Um, Cause yeah, all the, a, these, this is the a cover from my recollection. And no, all that's the I cover I got. They yeah, just didn't have bags. It's interesting. Um, they they ruined you. Um, so it is the end of the story that we've kind of been in and out of on whether, you know, we have a love-hate relationship with the writing of the comic book of this. But we did mention that kind of halfway towards the middle, there was a moment that Jane kind of had to make some choices. And Hector and I both were like, that was surprising. <laughs> like suddenly really good writing showed up in the middle of what on earth is going on here. Well, they decided to end on that note, and I'm just here to say that that was absolutely it because as the image implies, we, we see we do ultimately see the demise of Jane and the choices that he made to get there of self-sacrifice for his son that he didn't know he had until this 
entire arc. Like Jane, the person that only cares about himself, ends up punching his card at the end for someone else. And so for anyone that understands the arc of Jane and everything else in between, like that is a straight up gut punch in the Firefly space. And it's as shocking as it is, but the entire book is literally unpacking all of that. And then the end of it is basically the memory of Jane. And it ends on the thing of, you know, he basically finally did live up to the moniker of the hero of Canton. Canton and dang it. That, that hit me. Cause I was like, Okay. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not not crying. You're crying. Um, really solid. So we went. I went back and forth on how good this series was, but I'm going to tell you in the end. To get here, reading this arc is going to be worth your time. So or, and I don't. I agree with yeah, you. Yeah. But if you just can chew the fact that Jane has a son he doesn't know about, you can just jump here. That's fair. <laughs> right. That's okay. That's also fair. Yeah, yeah. this that, that's all you actually need to know. That's probably true. You are listening to the Pull List Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. Hey everyone, I'm Chris Shadowin, and this is Reviews of the Nerds. Today I'm reviewing the book Death to Deconstruction by Joshua S. Porter. Now, deconstruction in the Christian world can mean a number of things, from completely walking away from your faith to examining certain beliefs that you or the church may have gotten wrong while still following Jesus. Deconstruction has become a bit more mainstream in the past few years as people like famous YouTubers Rhett and Link and best-selling authors of I Kiss Dating Goodbye, Joshua Harris, have all deconstructed to the point of saying they aren't even followers of Jesus anymore. Joshua Porter an author, a pastor, and lead singer of Showbread, an indie punk band, wrote Death to Deconstruction, and it's his story on how he struggled with his faith, but he came through with an even deeper faith and understanding of who God is. His book is based around five great predators that he calls biblical illiteracy, the problem of evil, politicized Christianity, hypocrisy, and self-denial. He discusses each of these in depth, but weaves his own personal experiences throughout. In some sense, we're always growing and changing in our beliefs. Even if you don't believe in God, you still believe in something and order your life around it. This book is for everyone that wants to grow in their faith and be challenged by their current beliefs. If you're in the process of deconstructing and questioning what you believe, this will be very helpful. It's also helpful for having conversations with people who are deconstructing their own faith, especially in an unhealthy way. The first word that I would use to describe this book to others is raw. Joshua doesn't pull punches and he peels back the layers on some tough things, but he does so in a way that brings you into the story and helps navigate you through it. He also is an excellent storyteller, often telling stories that leave you in thought without telling what you should think of what you've just read. I think that no matter where you are in your faith journey, you should read this. It really helped me wrestle through some things. And you can get this book at places that sell books. And depending on your library, it may even be on the Hoopla app. I got to listen to the audio version from the Hoopla app and it helped me as I drove. Oh, and a bonus, make sure you check the thank yous at the end of the book because there may be a secret showbread album that's only available if you read the book. I'm Chris Shadowin, and remember... In five seconds, this message will deconstruct. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. Let's do our number ones and we can we can find our way out giving some of our readers um 
stuff that they told us we should have read <laughs> on the way out. So I, I guess I'll knock mine out while I'm here. So I, I told you earlier, like, you know, <laughs> weird concepts in comic books. Well, bam. Uh, where Monsters Lie from Dark Horse is quite possibly one of the most messed up things I've read in a while. Um, and if you can kind of see it, you know, that's a group of basically serial killers and you can kind of take a quick gander over them and see that they are foils to actual serial killers, either from movies or reality. Um, and the base of this story is they all live in the same gated neighborhood so that they can be protected and protect their identities from the rest of the world. That this HOA of serial killers literally enables them to go off and go on murder sprees, but then come back to their gated community where no one will find them or leave them alone because they're neighbors to each other instead of having to be something else. And well, one of them done messed up in the first episode and decided to kill a bunch of people in the neighborhood, which is a no, no that's against HOA rules in this world. Um, and there were witnesses and one of them got away, but they didn't think they did, which means the outside world now knows that they exist. And that is now going to be the point of the rest of this book. Um, so super dark, but also has HOA humor. And I don't know what to do with that, <laughs> but it's well drawn. And it's kind of an interesting little concept because also, and the other thing is one of the serial killers is actually broke good. And that worries the HOA too, because they're like, yeah, he requested all this lawning equipment and everything. And we were like, wow, that's really sick. And then they showed up like a couple days later and went, wow, his lawn looks great. Wait, wait. <laughs> and it's a dude that's like got a bunch of face tattoos and apparently is like a really like stabby stabby murderer, but like is look at my beautiful flower bed now. And they're like, this isn't good. <laughs> so it's just a really dark humor piece on on that so if if you're into the whole serial killer vibe slash like i said hoa rules you're welcome where monsters lie is your book on on that note just of that i don't know if we've ever spoken this have you ever heard of uh behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon no okay i'm gonna be very fast this is for you and for any if anybody that would like the book you just talked about you would like the movie i'm about to tell you about mm. there was a independent film a number of years back called behind the mask the rise of leslie vernon they had to change it to that title because the hannibal lecter movie behind the mask came out the same year mm. um but it is a documentary crew following around and interviewing the next big serial killer before he blows. Mm. So it's just this warm, funny, charming guy uh, who uh, is teaching you all the tricks of the trade, like how to make it look like you're running when you're really just, or make it look like you're walking, but you sprint, stop, sprint, stop, like how to make somebody think they saw you when they didn't like. And so he's, and he's like, we've got our survivor girl, and he, here's who we're going to focus on. And so they spend the whole time tormenting this girl so they can come follow him as he kills all the group of teenagers to get to her. And so it, all of that is shot on what looks like a college camera because it's right. a college crew doing it. Shaky cam. Got it. Yeah. Then there comes a point where they show up the final night of to do 
like and then the crew had been you know like taking it in stride like this isn't really going to happen this is you know not real um he once the first body hits the floor they're like oh my gosh we can't be a part of this it's out we got to go um at that point they turn off the shaky cam and the quality of film dramatically increases Mm. and at that point in time uh they realized they were never there to film this that they were always the target Mm. and that he was torn and so literally you go from hi i'm your buddy serial killer to now the dude you've been running from is literally hunting you or running with and so creative funny slice of life um it like shows them having dinner with other serial killers so they can like you know talk tricks of the trade and stuff uh you'd love it um i don't know about anybody else but you'd love it Um, (laughs) there you go all right and uh, i sent chris a message when i read this book uh and said i'm gonna do some cussing on the show i'm not gonna actually cuss um i don't believe you but (laughs) i want to cuss i want to do some cussing so batman legends of gotham like looks like just your uh uh random batman one shot and for the most part it's uh batman versus katana red hood versus katana Mm. and some other uh crime fighting stuff now i'll say this it's a good red hood book it's a good outsider's book on that note it's a good little thing but if you've heard me on this show for the last years one of my biggest thorns in my comic book flesh has been the fact that they started a red hood story with a new writing team new characters and they made two issues red hood 51 and red hood 52 and just killed it and there's not been a red hood story in continuum since then outside of the one that's on webtoons i'm like four pages into this story and there's an editorial note, see Red Hood 52. I'm like, you dirty heifers. <laughs> you rotten scoundrels. You threw out, this is a direct continuation of that scrap storyline. And they didn't even market it or advertise it or say, hey, y'all, we're bringing back another Red Hood. This is freaking, this is, they skipped the rest of the story. And like, if this would have been like five issues deep and skipped to the end of the arc and gave you the one issue. Now I wish I had the little bleep button because I would have put bleeps where the swears actually weren't. So people Matt, you have a job to do. Put some fake bleeps on me. (laughs) (laughs) But literally, dude, I almost ripped this book in half. Like, I gripped it and almost went and tossed it because I'm like, y'all gave me a freaking single one-shot issue continuation to a story that I've been waiting on for four years. It wasn't even a good story, (laughs) but I was waiting on it to finish. And then you give me this. Okay, I'm done. It was fun, though. I enjoyed reading it. Go on. Well, um, on that note, um, so Hector says some <laughs> some of our listeners dropped in some stuff from uh, the Discord. So if you want to yes. rattle a few of those off, I will. I hey, will. we actually care about you. And uh, when we tell you to talk to us in the Discord, um, when Chris hasn't been around lately, apparently Hector is, and it's all good. So uh, I'm trying. Hit, hit us with some of that listener stuff, and then yeah, we're going to be out of here. We went a little long today, but we had a we had we're covering two months instead of two weeks. Cut us a break. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right. So, um, so the MDB two uh, on our on the LTN forum and the comic section said mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that the best books since December mm-hmm. have been Hell to Pay. Okay. Yep. Punisher, which you and I have both been. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know if you've been reading Punisher. I need to. I've been reading Punisher and Daredevil, and right now they're very intertwined. Right, they're intertwined. <clears throat> um, Daredevil, you know, as also we just mentioned, Star Wars Vader, which I've enjoyed. Uh, they're doing a whole Padme storyline. I'll have to. Um, that's one that I feel like literally certain arcs are really good, and then other times you're like, yeah, it's got Vader in it. Yeah, and that's so. that's about what it is. But like they've been doing a, he's got a whole cl- army, not army, but he's got a a ragtag team of Padme clone. Uh, cover uh doubles that Ah. he's teamed up with and it's like this weird that's weird triggery thing uh hidden empire doc afra which i think doc afra is also one of those arc things and also damn them to hell which i've not even seen that one yeah i'm gonna have to look into that one yeah um i think i saw todd mention that one as well but those are the ones that were recommended off of the uh discord cool well you know I, as per usual i can't read everything so but now i'm kind of curious about a couple of those by name so we'll look into it but um yeah uh i guess that's it i guess that's the end our time for episode 81 has come to a close and that's going to do it for us gentle uh, piano music yep gentle piano music uh pull out my npr voice uh episode 81 is in the books and now in your ears and also your eyes and your eye holes it's true. We are on YouTube now. Uh, by now, you should be used to seeing our, our lovely mugs. Um, otherwise, you listen to us in, well, all of the places, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. Uh, we are part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. There's lots of other shows there. You can check us out on lovethynerd.com, pick up some new shows, catch some other stuff, uh, catch our previous episodes, and, well, you know, maybe find you something new to listen to, watch, etc. But Hector and I do absolutely want to thank you uh, for choosing us as your primary comic book factory uh, on a near weekly basis. You know, we're back. We were on sabbatical. We were on our scheduled rest. Um, And so we're back. And don't leave us hanging. Rate, review the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio. If you can't find us somewhere, tell us. We'll probably throw it there, too, because we want people to enjoy comics and pop culture together with us. So thanks for listening. And remember, kids, read more read comics. More comics. I'm going to take all seven continents of the game of risk. Oh.